Alright, alright. Welcome to Drop Pass Podcast. Hope you're having an awesome day. I'm gonna go straight to it since we have a lot to go through and this time around I'll try something different by dividing this huge free agent episode into two parts just because there has been so much going on in the NHL the past few weeks that I thought that it would be better to have two separate episodes instead of just one enormous monologue. I'll go through all the major signings of this offseason and in this episode we will check all the teams from Winnipeg to New York Rangers in reverse order to change things up a bit. I'll also include the big trades and buyouts of this offseason in this first episode because like I said there was lots of movement after the drafts and there's still more to come. But I'll keep this short and sweet so we can get to the action. So without further ado, let's go all right let's get to it on july 22nd the roster freeze was lifted and few teams started dealing right away the first major trade happened between philadelphia and arizona when the flyers practically traded shane gostisphere alongside 2022 second and seventh round picks to dessert for a buffet leftovers known as future considerations. This was another cap dump by the Flyers in order to acquire another defenseman later on, but to me it was a lot to give up for a somewhat washed up defenseman. Ghost still has two years remaining in his contract, which is the biggest factor, but since Arizona is currently rebuilding, they have space to take on bad contracts for incentives. That same day, Carolina and Detroit were also involved in the trade market when they exchanged goaltenders. UFA Jonathan Bernier and 2021 third-round pick headed to North Carolina in exchange for RFA Alex Nedeljkovic, who went the other way. This didn't seem like a bad move on Carolina's part at first, since at this point they still had Peter Mrazek as their starter, but... Eventually Bernier walked for free and in my mind their goaltending position got worse after a few signings which I will comment later on in the next episode. I would say this was another big W for Stevie Y as you would expect at this point since now they have solid veteran goaltender in Grice who will support the youngish breakthrough candidate Alex Nedeljkovic in their crease. Then the next day, the trading frenzy started and we saw many big names changing zip codes. First, Flyers filled up their freed up cap space when they acquired Rasmus Ristolainen from Buffalo in exchange for defenseman Robert Haig. 2021 first round pick, which ended up becoming Eisen Rosen, and alongside him they got 2023 second rounder. Flyers bolstered their back end even more and now they have both size and buck moving ability on their blue line and in my mind they should have one of the best blue lines in the league at this point. They were lackluster last season in their own end so if this decor can make a difference with names like Ivan Provorov, Rasmus Ristolainen, Ryan Ellis, Travis Sanheim and Keith Yandel, expect them to change their head coach pretty early on. Sabres on the other hand added to their prospect pool once again which is never a bad thing as a rebuilding team but at this point the way they've tanked you would expect the rebuild to be over but it's Buffalo after all so. But at the same time another Metropolitan Division team freed up cap space when the Rangers shipped 
Pavel Bushnevich to St. Louis in exchange for Samuel Blay and 2022 second round draft pick. Rangers have upcoming talent on their wings, so they probably thought that it wouldn't make any sense to sign Bushnevich to a long-term deal if they have upcoming talent up for the challenge. Blaze is a rugged bottom six forward who makes his living on the forward check, and he will also add another depth piece to their core. Rangers clearly wanted to add grit to their roster this offseason, and this was the first move to achieve that goal. Bushnevich signed a four-year 5.8 million deal with the St. Louis, and since he's coming off his best offensive season of his career, it was very well-deserved pay raise for the Russian winger. On that same day, Vancouver and Arizona exchanged players when Oliver Ekman Larsson and his bloated contract alongside Connor Garland headed to British Columbia, while Antoine Roussel, Jay Beagle, Louis Eriksson and 2021 first round, 2022 second round and 2023 seventh round draft picks moved to Arizona. Like I said, the Yotes are in rebuild mode and this was a very good deal for them in a sense that they got rid of Egmont Larsen's contract and gathered a few pretty high draft picks and used one of them to draft gifted right-handed goalscorer Dylan Genther. Russell, Beagle and Eriksson all have one year remaining on their contracts so those won't bother the Yotes for too long either. While Garland was an excellent addition to the Canucks, OEL still has 6 years remaining at 7.2 million cap hit, so good luck to Jim Benning trying to flip that if he doesn't find his stride in Vancouver. Right after that, we saw the blockbuster trade when Chicago dealt Adam Boquist's 12th and 44th overall picks in this year's draft and conditional 2022 first rounder to Columbus in exchange for Seth Jones' 32nd overall pick and 2022 6th rounder. Columbus used those draft picks to draft Cole Sillinger and used the 44th overall pick to acquire Jake Bean from Carolina, which was a very good move on their part. On the other hand, Chicago drafted defenseman Nolan Allen with the 32nd overall pick and ended up signing Jones to a hefty 8-year 9.5 million contract, which to me seems like an overpayment, but if he can bounce back from his terrible last season, he could at least be more deserving of that cap hit than he was last year. This was a big win for the Blue Jackets and their GM Jarmo Kekalainen continues to do wonders for the organization. Jake Bean could have a huge upside if he develops the way he has done the past few years and Cole Sillinger could become a top 6 contributor if all goes well. And you have to remember that they also drafted Ken Johnson and Corson Kuhlmans with their first round picks, so the prospect pipeline is starting to look good for them as well. I see why he wasn't willing to sign Jones to that kind of contract and got a good return for him at the end of the day. We'll see how he does in Chicago alongside his brother Caleb. I won't go into any detail on the pick trades, but rather focus on the next big trade which saw Philly as a participant once again. They traded Jakub Voracek back to Columbus in exchange for crafty right-handed forward Cam Atkinson. This was an old-school one-for-one trade and Philly also freed up another 2.3 million to their cap space with this move. Voracek has been more consistent one of these two and thus has the bigger cap hit for the next three years. While Atkinson has averaged around 40 points per season but hasn't reached his 40-goal production level since 2018-2019 season. 
his contract runs until 2025, so a year longer than Voracek. But overall, this trade could be very beneficial for both players. And as I mentioned in the previous episode, Voracek was rumored to change the scenery this summer, so the trade wasn't a huge surprise, or at least to me, when it happened. Then Buffalo continued their fire sale as they dealt Sam Reinhardt to Florida in exchange for Devon Levi and conditional 2022 first round pick, which becomes 2023 first rounder if the pick in 2022 is a lottery pick. Reinhardt will most certainly strengthen the Panthers roster once he's signed to a contract and their top nine is starting to get really crowded. He's a very consistent offensively and isn't liability defensively either, which makes him very effective player on their top six. He will most certainly enjoy the time away from Buffalo and will boost his scoring numbers with likes of Shasha Barkov and Jonathan Huberdeau. Florida showed last season that they're already contenders in this league, while the goaltending still remains to be their biggest question mark. If Spencer Knight can take a huge step upwards on his development, we could see them fighting for the division title already next season. Levi was extremely good at the U20s this year, and he adds to Buffalo's strong goaltending arsenal alongside Ukko-Pekka Luukkonen and Eric Portillo. Few days went by, and on July 26th, Florida was involved once again, when they dumped Anton Strowman's contract to guess who? That's correct, Arizona. Alongside defensive prospect Vladislav Kolyajanok and a 2024 second round draft pick in exchange for 2023 seventh rounder. This move had to be made so that the Panthers could free up cap space to sign defenseman Brandon Montour and Sam Reinhardt to contracts and they had to pay pretty high price for doing so. Strollman has one year remaining in his 5.5 million contract but rather than buying out both Yandel and Strollman they decided to trade Stroma for a few scratch tickets. So in conclusion, another cap dump which didn't hurt either team. But then we arrived to the trade that shocked most of the NHL people when Vegas Golden Knights traded their Vesna winning goaltender Marc-Andre Fleury to Chicago Blackhawks for forward prospect Mikael Hakkarainen. This was a very very strange trade since there weren't any signs of him leaving Vegas after his Vesna season. He only has one year remaining in his contract, so the only reason I see why they traded him was to be able to sign Alec Martinez to an extension and also make room for Yevgeny Dadanov's contract. After all, there has been some bad blood between the leadership group in Vegas and Fleury's agent, and seemingly Vegas front office was disappointed in his performances in the playoffs. But still this trade came out of nowhere and the return still bothers me. You just don't usually trade your starter for appetizers, but hopefully at some point once the dust settles we hear what the factors behind this trade were. Big W for the Blackhawks, but I would like to hear the exact reasoning for this trade. On that same day, Winnipeg Jets and Washington Capitals went at it when the Caps traded Brendan Dillon to Winnipeg in exchange for 2022 and 2023 second rounders. Dillon has been very solid the past few years and since the Jets lacked size and defensive ability in the playoffs, now they added to that weakness with their first piece from Washington. Then a day later, the Jets acquired their second defenseman of the offseason when they traded their 2022 third rounder to Vancouver in exchange for left-handed defenseman Nate Schmidt. 
Schmidt had a underwhelming season in Vancouver last year, but he still has the tools to be a very solid top four defenseman for the Jets. Hopefully these two additions can raise their defensive game to a level they were a few years ago. And Connor Hellebuck doesn't have to stand on his head night in and night out. Then Chicago was involved in trades once again when they acquired Tyler Johnson and a 2022 second rounder from Tampa Bay and shipped Brent Seabrook's contract the other way. This was another cap dump with a small enticement to go along. And even though Seabrook's contract comes back the other way, it won't affect the cap situation since he's in long-term injured reserve and doesn't count towards the cap. Johnson still has three years remaining in his 5 million contract, which doesn't seem very tempting given the fact that his production has dropped off severely while still contributing in a bottom six role. Then on the next day, Chicago flipped RFA Nikita Sadorov to Calgary, who still hasn't signed a contract but will most likely negotiate a deal during the next month to become somewhat replacement for their former captain who left to Seattle in expansion draft. Chicago received a 2022 third round pick in exchange and they didn't see a prominent role for Zadorov after acquiring both Jones Brothers and Jake McCabe to their blue line so it was a smart move to ship him elsewhere. That day was overall very very busy since it was the beginning of the free agency and teams wanted to get leverage on other teams with additional cap space. Next up though were the Canes and the Oilers and this time we saw another one for one trade. Right-handed defenseman Ethan Bear headed to Carolina to fill open spot left by Dougie Hamilton, while Edmonton acquired two-way forward Warren Fogle in return. This was pretty equal trade for both teams since, like I said, Hamilton left a huge hole in Kane's defense and they needed right-handed shot to their blue line and vice versa. Oilers lacked depth on their wings and Fogle fills that need quite well. They eventually signed him to a 3-year 2.75 million contract, while Ethan Bear has 1 year remaining in his contract with 2 million cap hit. So, win for both teams. After that, Ottawa got rid of Russian winger Yevgeny Dadanov after somewhat lackluster season in the Canadian capital, and they ended up shipping him to Vegas in exchange for defenseman Nick Holden and 2022 third-round draft pick. Vegas is currently right at the cap ceiling while they have few players to sign to contracts so you can most certainly expect to see some changes in Sin City in the next coming weeks. Next up was Buffalo's turn to be involved in the trade market once again when they acquired defenseman Will Butcher from New Jersey alongside 2022 fifth round draft pick. While New Jersey received a basket full of apples in return. Yep, you guessed it also called the future considerations. We'll see what happens with Butcher in Buffalo since his game has declined recently and he was shipped elsewhere solely because they needed to make room to their cap space to sign the big fish Dougie Hamilton, so Butcher was the collateral damage in this case. Right after Boston cleared out their goaltending position by shipping out upcoming Tendi, Daniel Vladar to Calgary in exchange for 2022 third rounder, and Seattle sent their expansion pick Vitek Vanecek back to Washington in exchange for 2023 second round draft pick. Then Arizona Coyotes and Colorado Avalanche changed pieces when the Yotes acquired defenseman Connor Timmins 2022 first round pick and 2024 conditional third rounder while their starting goaltender Darcy Kemper headed the other way. 
After the Avs lost Grew Bauer to Seattle in free agency, they had to come up with another starter to decrease if they wanted to challenge for the cup again next year. Kemper could be exactly that if he can stay healthy, but if he doesn't pan out in Colorado, he can be shipped off in case of a better goalie is available, since he only has one year remaining on his contract. Simmons though has finally found his way to the NHL after a tough injury in 2018, which almost ended his whole career. He probably won't become the highly touted top 4 D-man which we expected to see once he was drafted, but rather the Yotes will receive a very serviceable top 6 D-man with small offensive upside. Then the last notable trade so far happened on 29th when Rangers kept on adding physical presence to their roster when they acquired league's strongest man Ryan Reeves from Vegas in exchange for 2022 third round draft pick. Like I said, they were too soft to play against last season, so this year they really went at it and added strong physical presence to their squad. Rangers probably just had to call Revo's agent and tell him that he would see Tom Wilson more often next season, which alone pursued him to change cities. This guy alone will bring so much attention to the Big Apple that I can't wait to see them going up against the Caps next season, because this time they won't get thrown around like ragdolls. And did I mention they go at it on the opening night in Madison Square Garden against the Caps. But after that feasting, we can move straight to the contract talk. So if you haven't already, now take a huge sip of coffee or something with large amount of caffeine in it. Preferably Nokko. Hashtag hit me up for sponsorship. Just so that you stay with me. I trust you buddy so let's keep it going. I won't mention all the signings but more so focus on players who change scenery and could make an impact on their new roster because nevertheless there were tons of signings and you will probably click off by the time I get to the third team. But if you want to check all the deals on your own you can find them on capfriendly.com if you really want to dig deeper. Also, I want to mention all the buyouts before we head to the signings, since you might be thinking that didn't that guy have like two or three years left on his deal, so in conclusion, here come the buyouts. It all began with Minnesota, who bought out both of their major signings of 2012, Ryan Suter and Jack Parisi on July 13th. They both had four years remaining on their 7.5 million contracts, so the buyouts didn't come cheap to say the least. Next up, Florida Panthers got rid of Keith Yandel's 6.35 contract, which had two years still remaining. And right after that, Rangers bought out, to no one's surprise, the most liked person in the league, Tony D'Angelo, who had one year remaining on his 4.8 million contract. After his locker room encounter, it wasn't a huge surprise to see the Rangers parting ways with him. More so, it was weird to see him find a new home so quickly. Then Vancouver decided to make few questionable moves when they bought out two contracts, which both had only one year remaining. First they gave up on one of their former draft picks when they bought out Jake Virtanen on July 26th, and then they later parted ways with their last year's goalie addition, Braden Holtby. Virtanen had one more year remaining at 2.55 cap hit, while Holtby's cap hit would have been 4.3 million for the next year. Though Benning sent almost all surplus contracts out the window this offseason, which didn't make much sense in a wide scale, 
since most of them had just one year remaining. And they would have had big advantage on their cap space coming the next season, when for example Elias Pettersson is due to a pay raise. Edmonton was the penultimate team to buy out one of their players when they finally got rid of James Neal's 5.75 million cap hit, which still had two years remaining. He remains as a free agent but will most likely find a team with reduced contract from a team that is looking for additional bodies to their bottom six. The last player on the list was San Jose Sharks goaltender Martin Jones, whose 5.75 million contract got bought out by the Californian side. Jones, who still had three years remaining on his contract, later found a new team on the East Coast, where his role will most likely be as a mentor to a young upcoming goaltender, who can also share the responsibility in their crease. But that's all for the buyouts, and we move on to the almost record-breaking free agent list. So get comfy, because this is going to be a ride. We will go through each individual team one by one in reverse order to shake things up a bit. Alright, let's start this bad boy up with the Winnipeg Jets, who so far have been very silent in the free agent market, which is mostly due to their cap situation. Restricted free agents Andrew Cobb and Neil Pionk are bound for pay raises, and the Jets currently only have just above 6 million in cap space. Their only free agent signing has been Riley Nash, who signed a one-year contract with the Jets, while Paul Stasny and Logan Stanley wrote extensions with the team. But some kind of deal could be developing here since they have to get cap space in order to keep those two crucial guys on their roster. Same thing goes with the Capitals, 2 million in cap space after signing Ovechkin, and to be honest, their main goal was to achieve that this offseason, but still, they have to find a way to sign their young goaltender Ilya Samsonov. I would expect them to take a look at, for example, what Kuznetsov could fetch them in a trade, but nevertheless, don't act surprised when they make a big move this offseason. Likewise, the Vegas Golden Knights haven't been the most vocal at this point of the summer, much to their cap problems, and their only free agent signing so far has been Lauren Brochois, who was added to their crease once they traded Marc-Andre Fleury to the Blackhawks. They were involved in few trades, but other than that, the only notable signing has been Alec Martinez' extension, but we will probably see some kind of movement out of Vegas for sure in the next few weeks. But then we move to the team that was indeed involved in the free agent market, the Vancouver Canucks. Like I previously mentioned, they were already active with their trades, and for starters, they signed Connor Garland to a 5-year extension with 4.95 million annual cap hit. Then they re-signed Travis Hamannick for the next two years, and added goaltender Jaroslav Halak, defenseman Luke Shen, Tucker Pullman, and Brad Hunt, as well as forward Justin Dowling from Dallas Stars. Halak signed a one-year deal worth 1.5 million annually. Shen was signed to a two-year deal worth 850k. Former Jets defenseman Tucker Pullman got a significant raise when he signed a 2.5 million deal, and finally Justin Dowling secured himself two-year deal worth 750k with the Canucks. The Pullman signing was a bit questionable because of his term, but others were just basic depth additions, which. GM Benning makes seemingly each year. 
Toronto has been quite active as well in the free agent market and they began it by signing possible steel candidate Michael Bunting to a two-year deal and with his stellar ending to last season he could really well be an impactful player in the Maple Leafs roster next season. Alongside him David Kampf moved from Chicago to Toronto and they also stole Carolina starting goaltender Peter Mrazek to support Jack Campbell in their crease. He signed a three-year deal worth $3.8 million per season and overall was a decent signing by the Leafs if he can stay healthy. It will be interesting to see which one of their goaltenders takes the starting spot or do they go with the two goalie tandem throughout the next season. Then quite recently they added two former Bruins to their squad when they signed injury-riddled forward Andre Kasche to a one-year deal and the next day sealed the signing of Nick Ritchie for the next two years with 2.5 million cap hit. Quite interesting signings by the Leafs regarding their forward core since now they are starting to have a traffic jam on their four lines. Tampa Bay lost a lot this offseason but with their defense, top line players and league's best goaltender you can see them in the playoffs next season as well. Per Edouard Bellemare became their first signing and alongside him they addressed their backup spot by adding veteran goaltender Brian Elliott to their crease. He will bring comfort to their game since, at least to my eyes, that seems like a big improvement from their former backup Curtis McKelhinney, no offense to him. They also brought back Jack Bogosian with a three-year deal and the big news in Tampa was that Braden Point had signed a big ticket when the Bolts locked him up to a 8-year 9.5 million contract. This deal was finally due and Point will remain in Tampa Bay for years to come. What was funny to me was that they also brought back Corey Perry to Tampa after losing twice to them in the finals in back-to-back years. He earned himself a 1-year 1 million deal and will bring his physical presence to their bottom six without a doubt. Only remaining player without a contract from their cup winning team is Ross Colton but expect him to sign a bridge deal in the near future because even though he showed real promise last season the sample size is still very small so some kind of bridge deal could be in place for him. St. Louis have been quite active as well but expect them to make more moves before the season starts since they still have to extend Robert Thomas and Jim Armstrong will probably want to address their decor as well. And FYI, Tarasenko will be a piece in that, but don't tell anyone else about it. So far, they've only extended Ivan Barbashev, Jordan Cairo, and Zach Sanford, and signed free agent acquisition Brandon Saad and Pavel Bushnevich to contracts. Saad earned a five-year, 4.5 million contract, and Bushnevich, like I mentioned, was signed to a four-year deal worth 5.8 million annually. Both are good signings and especially Saad's addition to their lineup was a must after losing Jaden Swartz to Seattle. Speaking of which, the steal of this offseason so far was Philip Grubauer, 6 years, 5.9 million with the Seattle Kraken. Unexpected but happened and by doing so shocked few people once it was announced. This was a ballsy move by their GM Francis and will pay dividend next season if they wish to compete for the playoff spot. Overall they've been active as you would expect from an expansion team and they've been able to acquire solid players to their lineup even after the expansion draft. Which is result from their heavy reliance on cap space as I mentioned in the previous episode. 
It all began with the signing of Adam Larson and Jamie Oleksiak. Larson was signed for the next four years with 4 million cap hit, and Oleksiak earned himself a five-year deal worth 4.6 million each year. Larson, in my mind, was a very solid addition to their back end, especially with his contract. But when it comes to Oleksiak, I think it was a bit of a reach, to be completely honest. If you look at what David Savard got from Montreal, for example. After that, the Kraken locked up two core members to their squad when they signed center Alex Wenberg to a three-year deal worth 4.5 million per season and Jaden Schwartz to a five-year 5.5 million contract. Swartz was expected to be their selection from the Blues already at the expansion draft, but seemingly they had a deal in place for him and were able to choose Vince Dunn to their back end instead. He was also signed to a $4 million deal, but this time the term was only two years, and on that same day the Kraken also acquired forward Marcus Johansson as a free agent. He signed a one-year 1.5 million deal and will bring versatility to their lineup as well as veteran leadership. They still have about 10 million in cap space so don't expect that these were all the deals Francis will make this offseason. Their division rival San Jose Sharks though hasn't been as active as the Kraken. First they re-signed forwards Dylan Campbell and Rudolf Spalsers, then added veterans Nick Bonino and Andrew Cogliano to their forward group, and lastly addressed their goaltending by adding James Reimer and Aiden Hill to their crease after buying out Martin Jones. Still the crease seems weak to me, but this is the end result of paying Eric Carlson 11.5 million per season. Also, you can't forget Vlasic's 7 million cap hit until 2026, which is starting to look worse and worse by each day. And adding to that, 32-year-old Logan Couture is signed until 2026 as well with 8 million cap hit. Which isn't as bad as Vlasic's contract so far, but you still reap what you saw. And by the way, young defenseman Mario Ferraro is RFA, so you might want to look into that while you're at it. They've ducked their own grave at this point and now they try to get out of this deep ditch, which won't be easy task to accomplish to say the least. We might see some moves, but if none of the teams is ready to swallow bloated contracts, expect them to be at the bottom of the Pacific next season. Pun intended. The Penguins have been extremely silent this offseason and their only additions so far have been Brock McGinn, Dominic Simone and Danton Heinen. Brock McGinn signed 2.75 per year contract for the next four seasons and Heinen earned himself a one-year 1.1 million show-me kind of deal. Their core is intact but if I was Ron Hextel or Brian Burke I would send a message to GM group chat and ask which goaltender would be available for a trade because I can assure you Tristan Jerry won't take them to the promised land and that's an unfortunate fact. They are very close to the cap ceiling so you might expect them to make some moves as well in the coming weeks. Then we arrived to a team that certainly went at it this offseason. They earned themselves the most exciting signing of the offseason when Keith Yandel signed with the Flyers and will finally partner up with the man himself, Kevin Hayes in Philly. Somebody already mentioned on Twitter that it would be a mandatory procedure to have these two beauties mic'd up for the whole season because it would be straight up entertainment each and every game. 
that's the partnership I'm most looking forward next season. And you can expect to see an absolute clown show in Philly next year. And by that, I don't mean the team will be a joke. But if Hazy and Jans can get the boys going, I don't know who can. Yandel signed one year deal worth 900k and got a considerable pay cut in the process. But he still got the Florida dollars coming in, so no worries financially. Hashtag keep the change. Like I mentioned previously, another Bodak goaltender, Martin Jones, found his new home in Philly. And he will try to guide young goaltender Carter Hart back to the right path after miserable last season. They're hoping Jones can also raise his level of play after playing in San Jose behind one of the worst defenses in the league when it comes to actually defending. Carson and Burns ain't great in their own zone and if you disagree, you might want to check their numbers, honey. He signed one year deal worth 2 million as well so he can be moved on the deadline if the Flyers are not contenders next season, which I highly doubt. Now after all the signings and trades they have 8 million in cap space but they still have to sign Travis Sandheim and previously mentioned hard to a contract so these could be all the deals we will see from Philly. Ottawa is an interesting team to look at since they have 28 million in cap space and so far They've only made one acquisition during the summer, plus extended defenseman Victor Mete to a one-year contract. They have young guns Brady Ketchuk and Drake Batherson still unsigned, but that won't be too much of a task with that kind of cap space. The only free agent signing was one of the biggest man rockets of the NHL, Michael Del Sato, who packed his bags and signed a two-year deal with the Sens. He had a very decent season in Columbus last year, but if he can keep that level in Ottawa as well, that would be something because it won't be easy, that's for certain. We'll see what happens in the Canadian capital, but I wouldn't be surprised if they just sat there with hands in their pockets the whole summer and waited for the seasons to start. It's that kind of joke when it comes to their leadership. Hopefully they can be somewhat competitive next season since they have very enticing young talents in their roster and would expect them to take big steps for the next season. The last team in today's episode will be the Rangers and where the Sens have been quiet, the Rangers have added to their weaknesses. First the Rangers signed Patrick Nemeth to a 3-year deal worth 2.5 million which was an overpayment in my mind. Since they already have a solid top 4 in place and 2.5 million seems too much for me for a complimentary bottom pairing slash cement defenseman but I guess he's that valuable but do I know. Right before that they had signed Barclay Goodrow to a 6 year deal worth 3.6 million which isn't as bad as Nemeth when it comes to cap hit but the duration once again is very questionable. Too much duration in both deals if you ask me, especially looking at their future when next offseason players such as Mikasi Banejad, Vitali Kravtsov, Kapokakko, Adam Fox and Alexander Georgiev will be free agents and this year they have to make the decision of who they want to be the core pieces of this organization going forward. Rumors say that they also could be dealing Ryan Strom and Alexander Georgiev out of New York and have been heavily connected to Jack Eichel, but we'll see what happens. At this point they seem to be somewhat contenders looking back at their previous season, but if they are willing to part ways with Strom this offseason for example, in my mind that 
could set them back from that contender label if the young guns aren't at the level they would be required to. They also resigned Philip Heedle to a two-year contract and added Ryan Reeves to their bottom six, as I mentioned. But overall, they are at the crossroads when it comes to the organization's future. But that concludes today's episode. I wanted to divide this huge chunk into two pieces so that it would be more enjoyable and so that we could have fun content next week as well. Like I said, in a few days we will go through the rest of the teams that we didn't address this time and I'll also add other signings if there happen to be some in between these two episodes. But hope you enjoyed. If you are listening to this on Apple device, I would greatly appreciate it if you could leave a rating in the Apple Podcast app so that more people could find this podcast and get to enjoy my beautiful voice each week. Leave feedback if you've enjoyed this journey so far and don't forget to follow this podcast on Spotify so that you never miss any future episodes. Thanks once again for listening and if you've survived this far, react to my story so that I can see you made it this far and you are a true fighter. Come back next week for the rest of the teams and remember to stay tuned, stay safe. Until next time, alright.